You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is up, good people? I hope you are doing well. I hope you're full of turkey. I'm still full of turkey. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe I should get that checked out. I'm not sure. Anyway, probably didn't need to say that publicly, but I did. And here we are. Anyhow, this episode should have came out closer to GearFest back when I released that whole block of GearFest episodes. But I actually made a slight mistake because there were some other episodes that I recorded around the time that those were releasing that needed to come out at a certain time. And this didn't have like a time frame and it kind of got shoved to the side. And I totally should not have done that because this is a very interesting sector of the musical instruments industry that Dan and Crystal from Online Marketing cover. And I don't think that it's talked about very often. I think very few people even know that jobs and firms and companies like that exist within this space. And so while, yes, we do get into some of the products that they represent, what is more interesting to me is the very beginning where they discuss actually how the company works and what their role within this industry is. And again, it gives people some context for different ways you can work in the music industry, because I think we all tend to focus on being the artist, being the one doing the recording, being the one on stage. And if you can't do that, I think a lot of people have the perception, at least I did, that you don't belong in the music industry or that you can't be in the music industry and be connected to some of these cool things that are related to the music industry. But the reality is there are thousands and thousands of jobs that are tied to the music industry. And this is one that I think almost nobody knows about because I certainly didn't know about it. And uh, I'm pretty well tied into all this stuff. So without further ado, let's get into this one with Dan and Crystal from Online Marketing. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We go over a lot of fun stuff, including some cool products, but especially them and their roles. So let's dive right into this right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about stuff that we, yeah, and we're talking about everything this week. It was, I say guitar stuff sometimes, but now it's just like, I'm talking to mic companies, I'm talking to interface companies, I'm talking to everything. But today, I'm talking to Dan and Crystal from Online Marketing, who represent a bunch of different brands that make stuff that you need. So here, right. <laughs> here we are. Uh, maybe we should start with uh, kind of the, you know, what exactly do you guys do? You know, I think it's a sector of the industry that uh, consumers are generally not familiar with, I would say. Yeah, well, we, were, we were hoping you'd tell us what we do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we, we are, um, we are, I'm Dan, this is Crystal. We are from uh, an independent rep firm called online marketing. Um, The way that the music industry and pro audio industry kind of function is there are lots of small, medium, and large manufacturers. Um, And it's really difficult for any manufacturer to cover 
all of the United States or all of a certain region and go to every store and check in on every customer um, and handle all the support and so forth. So um, independent reps for certain brands will cover a territory and we will kind of be that ground team for uh, for a manufacturer. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what we do. Now, our firm covers the Great Lakes region. Um, and uh, so we have some brands that we work at within this this geographical location, but we, Crystal and myself, are solely focused here in-house at Sweetwater. So um, because Sweetwater does so much business, but also they provide such a high level of support for their customers everywhere from before the sale to long after the sale, um, we're kind of here to help facilitate them with all of that. That means talking to the to the sales team the sales engineers themselves and making sure they are they're the highest in the industry in product knowledge mm-hmm. um, making sure that uh, our marketing campaigns are on track making sure that the uh, the the brands whatever you know they might be are well represented in sweetwater's online efforts um, and uh, through emails and through all that sort of thing we also um, work on promotions for things like Gearfest. What you know? What kind of special deals can we create? So there are a lot of different aspects to what we do, but we're here full time every day um, with Sweetwater, interfacing with them to make sure that the brands are taken care of and well represented to Sweetwater. That Sweetwater is you know reaching out to their customers with good and accurate and timely information, um, and that the relationship stays really strong between them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so, like, what is the this might be kind of a funny question, but like, what does the average day look like for you if there is one? It's like when you wake up, you know, you put your pants on and then, you know, what is it? What does it look like after that? Like, because there's so many aspects that go into that, right? You know, you know, I imagine one day you might be like literally sitting down and be like, and this is how you turn the high pass filter yep. on, you know, and like, and some days you're like, you know, this fuzz is, uh, <laughs> since you guys represent so many different brands, like, this fuzz has germanium clipping or whatever, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? And so, like, wh- what is there an average day, or is it kind of all over the place? Every day an adventure, right? Um, yeah. Do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, truly, every day is a new adventure. Uh, we cover so many different things, and there's over 600 of the SEs, sales mm-hmm. engineers, on site. Um, and since we have an office here, we're easily accessible, so... Um, they can they can call us on the phone. They can stop by the office in person and talk through different things. Um, and everybody's needs are different. So right. it could be, um, how would I spec this system and help system design? Or, hey, I have a, a customer that has a problem with XYZ product. Um, just jumping in. And sometimes we're moving product, like new samples from one side of the building to the other for this and that purpose and getting it ready for the web. And yeah, just making yeah. sure they're taken care of on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in general, Sweetwater has a really high level of uh, of expected gear knowledge for anybody that that works in the building. Right? Totally. Just just to get in the door, uh, you know, you're you're uh, going through an extensive um, application process and testing to make sure that you're going to hit, uh, you're going to be able to sustain the gear knowledge to be really helpful to a customer. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're really um, really dialed in on training, and so um, we're engaged in some fairly base level training for anybody who's incoming. For a lot of them, it's review. For some of them, they may have a guitar expertise, but they're not that strong in mixing consoles or interfaces or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we're doing some fairly ground level training for every incoming sales engineer, uh, but then we're also giving them deeper training as as they move on through a lot of different forms. Yeah, that's something that I knew they did a lot of training, right? But I wasn't aware that the level went 
where it goes because I was talking to uh, uh, Phil McKnight, who's he's one of the guys here doing videos and stuff, and he was talking about the onboarding process and the training process that occurs with a sales engineer in particular. And he said, he's like, I don't think I, I would pass the test. He's like, I'm, I'm in gear all day, every day, but just guitar, right. you know? And you know, I'm not sure if I would pass the test either. I'm primarily guitar, but I do a, you know, a little bit of other stuff, but I don't think I would pass the test. I, I, it's weird to think that. It's like, I'm obsessed with gear. All I do is think about gear. And I don't think I would pass the initial test to get in the door, which I, is wild. I, th I think the secret is that up front, nobody actually passes the test. Okay. You know, um, you, everybody obviously has areas of expertise, but, uh, but Sweetwater has done a really good job of taking someone who is, you know, like yourself, really strong guitar, but maybe could use a little support with how do wireless mics work? How mm -hmm. do I make a system scale from one channel to 27. Yeah, right? I have no idea. Um, no right, idea. The, there are very few people out there who inherently have all of that knowledge, um, but Sweetwater does a great job of taking somebody who has a lot of deep knowledge in one category and potential to learn a lot more and making sure that they're able to guide their customers through that process or that they're sitting close to or have access on the phone to somebody who maybe does have that expertise mm -hmm. to make sure the customer is given the right thing the first time every time. Right, right. So are there any, this might be a, a, another strange question, but are there any common things you run into, like, as far as, like, everybody in their job seems to, like, like, for me, you know, I, I work with a lot of guitar pedal companies, and, uh, or I used to, but um, I'm very familiar with that world. And so it's so, it's not every time, but it's so common, uh, somebody writes in with a technical issue, and it's almost always user error. Like, n not every time, sometimes the switch goes bad, sometimes there is something wrong, but uh, it's often it's like, the battery's dead, or you're using the wrong power supply, or your cable's busted, or yes, if you run a compressor into a high-gain amp, it's going to be really noisy. Like, you know, things like that, it, it, that people just don't know about or have never had experience with. And so there's a lot of, it's like, yes, uh, check the battery, check the cables, and it's almost always something like that. Is there just like a common... Did you power cycle the unit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is there a common, like, thing that you run into all the time? I know you run for a lot of brands, but, like, is there something that you're just like, oh, yeah, Craig called with this thing again, uh, you know? So by the time a question gets to us from a customer, it's, it's usually above that basic level. Mm -hmm. um, again... Sweetwater safeguards against that sort of thing, or I should say is more efficient with that sort of thing in two ways. One, making sure ahead of the sale through that conversation process, you know, as if, if you're talking with your, your sales engineer on the phone, um, they're hopefully going to ask you a lot of the right questions that set the right expectation and eliminate that problem down right. the chain. It still happens, right? Of and, course. And we all have, you know, brain farts where we're setting something up and we plugged the input to the input and so the, the, the output all to the input, the time. Right? It all still the time. happens. Yeah. Um, and so for that, Sweetwater has a, a, a technical support team that handles all the incoming from customers. So um, we work with sales engineers ahead of the sale. We also sometimes work with them after the sale, but we also uh, support anything that comes through the, the technical support that is either something that they're not totally sure of and they want to make sure they give the right answer mm -hmm. um, or if it if it's above a certain point where we're questioning, is there a problem with the gear that we need to reach out to the manufacturer? 
or is this just a workflow we're not familiar with? Um, we also keep a lot of, uh, of different products here on site. So if they have a question about how to use, you know, an Avantis mixer, mm -hmm. right, a certain workflow, can you do this? Um, sometimes we can tell them just based on what we know or what's in the manual, but sometimes we can get them in front of the console and show them this is how you set this up. Um, we're, we're handling that with customers at a more advanced level, usually after it's gone through that support process. That makes sense. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks, and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. And again, uh, audience, if you're hearing a deep bass rumble right now, we are in <laughs> Studio B here at Sweetwater, which is very, very isolated, but it is right next to the control room, and so sometimes they're testing the Atmos system in there, and you you may hear a little bit of uh, of rumble going on right now. I'm actually not sure if you do, because I can't hear it in my headphones, but I can feel it. We're jamming. Feet. Yeah, <laughs> we're rocking out. But uh, yeah, but you, you have some stuff here, so... Warm Audio is one of the companies that you represent, and they've supported the podcast in the po in the past, so that's really cool. Uh, but you got guitar pedals here, and guitar pedals are my favorite thing. So wh <laughs> what else? Are, what else are we? What, what do we got going on? Let's you, talk about you these and things. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so Warm Audio makes uh, recreations, faithful recreations of aspirational gear. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this is really kind of the calling card for the company. They're um, they're musicians. They're music production enthusiasts, um, and they're really energetic and passionate about that. And so um, the whole premise here is let's look at recording history or music production history, and let's select these like really special, really iconic 
products that have been there over time. You know, this this microphone from the late '50s, early '60s, this guitar pedal from the from, you know from the '80s, early '90s, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we? recreate this thing that you can you can't buy new anymore and right. if you buy it on the used market it's incredibly expensive and really hard to find uh, or there are other recreations of it but they fall short either in sound or the look and the vibe mm-hmm. um, or there are other recreations and they're just not something that most people can afford. Right. Um, so they're trying to address all those things, and they do it with really high components, really faithful you know, recreations of circuit design and aesthetics, and they're trying to you know, replicate that sound, but also the feel that you get when yeah. you use it, right? Um, and so we have a, a couple of pedals uh, right now with Worm Audio. Uh, one is, uh, is, is this, the Foxy Tone Box, Ooh. which um, is a... Uh, a Faithful homage to the Fox Tone Machine, which, how does that feel? Initial impression. Beefy. Yeah. Yeah. It feels robust. And it's uh, it's really soft, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually covered in... In uh, velvet this, or this, something? Yeah, this orange velvet. So the original Fox mach- you know, Tone Machine, uh, this looks a lot like it. It was covered in velvet. It wasn't orange. Uh, they, they did that sort of uh, to... Um, Call back to their main colors, which are orange and black. Right. But, um, in terms of the way it feels when you when you pick it up, but then also the way it plays when you plug it in, mm-hmm. uh, it really calls back to that Fox Tone Machine, which is a you know a, a, a an iconic fuzz. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm all about that fuzz life. That was the fuzz pedals were like one of the first things that I yeah when I started getting into gear. I got some fuzz, and I was like, whoa, hold on. What what have we here? Like, I didn't know guitars could do that. And, uh, yeah, the the I've played some of the original ones. I've not played this one, but I played some of the original ones, and it's definitely like a, it's a special circuit for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's super cool. It's cool that they took the time to even down to the, the nice velvety touch here. But it also feels like it's not going to, it's a fine... Velvet, it feels like it's not going to attract quite as much stuff as the original. Right, <laughs> right. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Are you uh, are, are you going to create that tag after this fuzz life? Is that, is <laughs> yeah. that any, yeah. I feel like that's got to have It has to be done already, but maybe not. Maybe not. But what's this big beast here? What so this um, you could use to defend yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the jet phaser. This is a combination uh, fuzz and phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot. There's there's a pretty wide range of uh, different cool effect uh, tones you can get out of this thing. Look at this. Um, thing. It's a, a faithful recreation of uh, another pedal, <laughs> also called the the jet phaser, the mm-hmm. AP7. Uh, and um, the original one was an Ibanez, I think. I think it yeah. was. Uh, I think it was Roland. Was it Roland? Yeah. Okay. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the internet will. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sure that'll be in the in the comments. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so this is you know obviously really well built. It it does uh, recreate some of the aesthetic of the original, but they kind of added some uh, some cool vibe with these wood side panels and and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, I um, love it. Really great pedal. Takes up a lot of room on your pedal board, but uh, but um, I mean. Almost by itself, it's just like a kind of a tank, right? Uh, in terms of tone, that's really cool. I like it a lot. I love big pedals, pedals <laughs> of size, as some of my friends call it. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we make POSs," and they're like, yeah, right. what? I'm like "What pedals of size? That's for you, Sean and Ed." Um, but yeah, this is definitely in that category. I I'd seen this floating around, um, and yeah, this is a I've 
I played an original a long time ago, and I I remember loving it, but it was it was kind of finicky. And so, you know, as vintage units tend to be, right. you know, yeah. and so it's cool that they took the time to, you know, not only make it like the thing, like you could, but they could have just slapped it in a regular enclosure and called it a day. No, they took it to the next level and made it look right as well. So right. it's super cool. Right. I love that. I have to play that. That's awesome. <clears throat> so Audio Technica. Oh no, there's another one. Oh yeah, thing. There is. Got, what else we got here? Yeah, we've got a couple of DIs as well. Perfect. Um, you know, um, DIs are almost a dime a dozen, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of different DIs out there, and there's a a, a wide range of good to great. Um, I uh, I love these DIs. I I was a little skeptical in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, and you know we communicate directly with the Warm Audio team and. They said we're going to make a di or a di, and I was like, "Really?" You're like, "Okay, okay, sure, right. yeah." Um, but you know what? Um, from the time we first plugged them in and actually shot them out against some stuff, we found uh, a a clarity and a frequency extension that uh, even if you're using really high quality di, you might not know you're missing. So mm. um, there's a an active and a passive version. The the passive and active version both have a couple of standout features. There's a variable pad. Um, now, I, I myself uh, am something of a reformed guitarist. I kind of got my start <laughs> playing, you know, playing guitar, playing in bands, singing. Um, but uh, I long ago kind of steered into the engineering path, right? Yeah. So studio and, and live, and I've used a lot of different DIs in, in both settings. I've never seen a variable pad that I'm not going to have to, you know, if a source is too loud and I've got to pad it down 15 dB because there's a switch, mm -hmm. I'm then often overcompensating on the preamp, which is raising the noise floor as yep. well as the signal, right? Yep, yep. So having this variable pad right on the source itself, that's not just a push button, it's on yes. or it's off, yes. is actually a really cool feature when it comes to you know the, the purity of the, the tone in the, in the whole chain. I think that's a great idea. And, and honestly, I've ran into that too. Mm -hmm. It's just like, why is it either... It's either too 15, much or it's not enough. TV or nothing. Like, you know, why can't we select how much we need? It's not like all the signals are either perfect or 15 dB too hot. Like it's 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 somewhere in the middle most of the right. time. So yeah, that's that's a great idea. And it's like, hmm, why isn't why haven't I seen that before? Right. That should have occurred a long time ago. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. it, um, the, um, the the other features on on this are things that you would probably expect, right? You've got ground lift, you've got uh, phase invert. Um, there's also um, an amp out path or, or a, oh, sweet. Through, amp a through. out and through path, yeah. right? For um, for all sorts of things there on both of them, uh, which is really convenient to have. It's not in every DI. It's not unheard of, but, you know, between those things, you know, really well thought out. This is a Worm Audio's own design along with Cinemag, who makes mm -hmm. some of the transformers that are in this and some of the other gear. Um, so it is a unique circuit design and, like I said, just a really great sounding DI. Um, the active will actually run also in passive mode. So if you go with oh, the active sweet. DI, you essentially have an active and a passive DI. Um, and it will also run on battery or it will auto switch over to 48 volts if you're feeding it phantom power oh, from sweet, the board. Sweet, so sweet. just well thought out altogether. They're very well constructed. You can feel that they're mm -hmm. uh, very solid um, and should hand up, handle uh, uh, abuse of the live stage really well. Yeah. Yeah, I've become a big fan of, of running a DI of some sort lately whenever I'm recording. And then I didn't used to do that, but 
uh, it's just I've gotten a little more into the digital amp thing, mm-hmm. and so I've found like. Yeah, I'm still wanting to play with an amp in the room, like old school style, mm-hmm. because it's of how it makes you play. Right. But I also like being able to like swap amps out willy-nilly and move microphones around digitally and do mm-hmm. all that fun stuff sure. in post. And so, you know, having a good DI that with a pass-through lets right. you kind of have your cake and eat it, too. It's yeah. Like, cool. Even I've, just as a layering trick, mm-hmm. right? If you really want to thicken something up. Yeah. Right? Or even if you're like, okay, I loved my performance on that. That was great, and that felt great. But oh, my my mic placement was a little off. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, good thing I have. Sure. You know, so that's really cool. And yeah, this is well thought out. It's very, uh, very clever. I like it. It's very cool. Um, so as we as we talked about, you guys represent a lot of other brands, but we kind of decided to highlight, you know, the ones that were probably the most relevant to right. the Tone Mob listenership, which is. Warm Audio, obviously, and Audio Technica, which, you know, we're using the headphones right Mm -hmm. now. I think we've probably all had some exposure to that brand at some point through some means. But, um, like, I feel like they have some some classics that don't quite get recognized as classics by the general audience. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. What are some of the hidden gems that that Audio Technica has? First of all, you know, just, just... We like to remind people of all the stuff that Audio Technica does really well. I mm-hmm. mean, everything from uh, from the microphones that are world famous and kind of changed the way microphones were manufactured, mm-hmm. like the 40 series, um, to some more advanced stuff with the 50 series, to wireless uh, mics and IEMs, yes. to uh, turntables and headphones for, for studio and for live and for hi-fi listening. I mean, it's just a really wide-ranging um brand. They have mm-hmm. so much stuff and it's all great. I mean, I have to say it's all great, but but truly, uh, they don't really put out any stinkers. Um, they've but they've got a really deep product catalog and there is some stuff that occasionally gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. So uh, we wanted to talk about some stuff that we really like for uh specifically for guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that covers electric guitar and also acoustic guitar. Yeah, so, let's go through it. Um, one of my all-time favorite dynamic mics for um, t- to place in front of an amp is this guy. This is the AE2300. That is a cute little guy. <laughs> and it's, it's tiny, right? Which I like because the mics I'm using currently, I love the sound of, but they're huge. And very difficult to get placement correct because mm-hmm. they're so heavy. That I put them on and like I'm like perfect spot, and I let go, and they go burnt, and then, mm-hmm. then I'm like ah. So yeah. this is very appealing to me. So Let's- it's small; it can fit in tight spaces, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's equally useful on like a snare drum or something, you mm-hmm. know, to to that effect. Um, it it uh, there there are a couple of you know standards when we talk about micing up a guitar cabinet. We all think of, you know, a couple of mics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one is one I think that not enough people know about. You can stick it in front of any amp and get a better than you're expecting starting point and you can work with it a lot. But nice. my favorite feature about this is what do you see? I kind of just sneaked it above the, the shock mount there, but what do you see right oh, there? Oh, you got a little low-pass filter Yeah, switch. there's a low-pass filter. Mm-hmm. Not something you're used to seeing on a mic, especially on a dynamic mic that you're going to place really close to a guitar cabinet. No. But uh, that's a, a, a low-pass that's fairly steep and it starts right around 5.5K. Okay. And so if you've got an overbright, uh, you know, uh, 
guitar cabinet or just a lot of hiss. Mm -hmm. This is a great way of getting rid of some of that and giving you more of what you actually want. Uh, also, for a snare drum, if you are just getting too much snare, it, it will break down some of the over-brightness or some of the wash from the cymbals, um, but it's not going to affect the articulation range, right, mm -hmm. of, of the stick. So um, it's a really diverse and, and useful dynamic microphone. Those are two of my favorite applications for it. But this is like my, my number one go-to dynamic uh, whenever I'm, you know, micing a, a guitar cabinet. It's nice. not the one I use 100% of the time, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good, solid mm -hmm. starting point. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm not aware of that one, so that's, that's, new, that's news to me. And yeah, it seems like it's, you know, as you were talking about, like, I was thinking, like, why would I need a low-pass filter on a guitar? And I got to remember that not everybody plays baritone and tunes down to drop Q. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that, some there's there's country telly pickers that might find that uh, fairly sure. helpful, mm -hmm. you know. That's very cool. Um, another one of my favorites, uh, do, you, do you work with ribbon microphones on guitar cabinets mm -hmm. very often? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean... That is something that I would recommend to every anybody. Absolutely, um, ribbons kind of offer their own character, um, and um, I really love a lot of ribbons. I've used a lot of different ribbon microphones. In fact, I have to confess, before I was the Audio Technica rep, I didn't know that Audio Technica made ribbon microphones, but they do have a couple. I didn't either. Yeah. So until um, just now, we have we have two ribbon microphones: the forty eighty and the forty eighty one. This is the forty eighty one. It's nice and slender, um, but. Oh, it's pretty. Really cool and unique Audio-Technica design around a ribbon microphone. Audio-Technica um, is not necessarily a Me Too brand. Mm -hmm. Audio-Technica's approach to engineering, at least, this is, this is. is. I'm going to like give my own personal opinion here. Okay. I don't know if Audio-Technica would sanction this. But, <laughs> um, my personal opinion is they, they look at stuff that's out there and they say, how can we like reinvent that? Mm -hmm. uh, how can we take our own spin on what that is? And so uh, they entered uh, a a growing market, which was the ribbon market several years ago. Yeah. Um, but they didn't build the same ribbon mic that anybody else is making. It's not a vintage recreation, um, and it's not a mimic of anybody's thing. Um, this is a, a, a great go-to ribbon mic, especially for clean or lightly dirty sounds. I like it less on heavily distorted amps, personally. Mm -hmm. But uh, the combination of that dynamic mic and then the 4081 yeah. uh, is a really sweet combination for a lot of different stuff. Um, the 4081 is a pass. I'm sorry, an active ribbon mic, so it okay. wants phantom power. Mm -hmm. When you use phantom power, you get a little bit higher output, a little bit better signal to noise. But it also, uh, the, the ribbons are tend to be split up into passive or active. Right? They want to be powered, or they don't want to be powered. Yeah. Um, you can also run this same mic in passive mode and get a little bit different sound signature. Oh, cool. Right? The sacrifices are because it wants some phantom power. It's going to be a little lower output. You're going to be compensating on the preamp. So you'll raise the noise floor a little bit. If you're miking something loud like a guitar amp, you probably aren't going to notice that. Yeah. yeah. But you do get a little bit different tone. So there's kind of two mics uh, in one. And if I start with active and I don't like the way that sounds, I, I might try uh, removing phantom power, bringing up the gain. Cool. Um, and going with that. Very cool. Yeah. This is, yeah, I had no idea Audio Technica made ribbon mics. That's yeah. wild. It's it's weird how you can be so into something and all of a sudden it's just like, oh yeah, this brand I've heard of forever does that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's not, that, that happens all the time with Yamaha. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Like boats. You right. know, I, just, I was like, they make boats. Okay, all right. They're probably good boats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really nerdy about trying, trying that kind of stuff. Like I'm, obviously obsessed with guitar sounds so yeah. 
how mic placement and the type of mic affects that is is something that I think not enough guitar players actually understand. People, mm-hmm. anybody that does recording does, but right. the players themselves are like, why does this? Why does my amp sound different in the recording than it does in the room? And you know, and it's like, well, it has to do with how you're miking it up and where you're putting your amp. And truly, just like uh, you know, guitar tone is like a never-ending path. So yes. the you know, it, it's parallel in the studio world. It's a never-ending. Uh, you know, a, a never-ending path to try and find the right tone for this instrument, that instrument, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But where those two intersect, man, there's just so much. Oh. Uh, there, there's so many, you know, mics to try, so many guitars, so many amps, so many different combinations of, uh, of different things. And so that's where a lot of fun lies. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Goodhertz. Well, it's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with the great compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossing, I'd invite you to head over to chaseblintsaudio.com. What other surprises do we have over here? So um, I have a lot of favorites when it comes to making acoustic guitar, but uh, I'm going to show you something that's really cool and unique. And I don't know how well this is going to translate by itself. We'll have to get you a, 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 a shot because I don't know if they'll be able to see on the camera. You, you notice this is shaped really similarly to that 4081. Yeah. Um, this is the 5045. This is one of my favorite acoustic guitar mics of all time. I also love it on overheads. Uh, I love it on piano. Any mm-hmm. any like um, harmonically complex acoustic source. Okay. This is really really great sounding. It's very very even. Um, but it's I don't know if you can see in the light like it, light there. What is what would you what type of microphone would you guess that is? I would guess it's a ribbon. It looks like a ribbon, doesn't it? Does, it does, yeah. It's actually a condenser microphone. Oh, uh, okay. But that's a really unique 
looking diaphragm, isn't it? It is. It's actually a rectangular element. That's what I'm I'm seeing it yeah. in there. That's why I thought it was a rivet. So when we think condenser mics, you know, every every condenser mic has a, a round element, mm -hmm. right? Um, so Audio Technica took a really different approach with the 50 series, and there are just a couple of uh, of mics in that range: the 5040, the 5047, and the 5045. Um, and these are, you know, they sit at the really high end of like studio production mics for Audio Technica. They're really the special stuff. Yeah. Um, this rectangular element design is, uh, is addressing an interesting problem with, uh, with condenser microphones, especially around diaphragms. Um, we've got a, an, an unconventional shape of a diaphragm, mm -hmm. and then we're con uh, it, there's a, a continuously variable tensioning all the way around that capsule to minimize the sorts of resonances that naturally develop with a round diaphragm. Interesting, right? okay. Uh, so we get a really pure tone, um, and then a really clean signal path, and there's a transformer on the output. We know that when we hit transformers really hard, they get they they add a little texture, right? They mm -hmm. get very musical when we hit them hard. So um, it handles quiet or loud sound sources very well. The harder you push it, the more of the transformer you might experience. Um, but in front of acoustic guitar, very clean, very even, uh, very honest sounding, um, and it really lets the the natural character of the guitar show. And if you compare it to a you know a small or a large diaphragm condenser microphone and a more traditional miking, you'll you'll actually hear a really unique uh, harmonic overtone pattern because we're eliminating so many of those resonances. Right on, right on. It's also just you know because I haven't used it and I can only speak to this. It's very pretty. <laughs> no, it's lovely. Yeah. It's a very attractive mic, and the the surface area is is actually although it's in form factor, it kind of looks like a small diaphragm condenser. Mm -hmm. It's actually got the surface area of a large diaphragm. Oh wow! Right. Okay, interesting. I also really enjoy the shock mount on it. Yes, if you see, there's a lock on it, and it's super simple to do. Like if you're in a hurry in a studio session and you need to swap out mics really quick, you don't want to have to. Oh yeah, dink around with the shock mount bands, mm -hmm. making sure that those are all in the right spot. Like you just open it, put it in there, lock it, and it's in place. It is, and it's It's tight. very secure. It's all, yeah, it's not going anywhere. We don't lose very many of those off stands. <laughs> Unless you forgot to lock it. Right. Then all bets are off. <laughs> that's on you. Remember that, that's the user error I was talking about. All right, what's next? So um, we also... Uh, you know, Audio Technica hits the um, the podcast market in in a really important what? way, right? That's a thing. That apparently, there uh, apparently there's some people out there making these things called podcasts. Oh, those they sound like nerds. Yeah, <laughs> no, they definitely are. Oh, okay, but, yeah, but the right. the right kind of nerds. Okay, good, good, nerds. good, good. Um, so um, we've got a, a couple of of, uh, of microphones that are really great for all sorts of things, right? But mm -hmm. vocal production has been kind of a fixture for a long time. And specifically when we're trying to do spoken word, um, there are some specific styles of microphone, yeah. right, that we yep. might gravitate hmm. toward. Yeah, um, pretty famous ones, right? yeah. Um, so with a, a broadcast style microphone, we're usually talking about something that looks like a you know an elongated cylinder. It's usually an address. It's usually a larger diaphragm <laughs> dynamic microphone, right? Yes. So there's yes. some common themes uh, that you might see. And we actually have um, one of these that we wanted to show you. This is the SM7B made by Sure. It's a fantastic mic. I've used these endlessly mm -hmm. uh, in studio production. They're very musical mics. They're very useful. Um, we we have addressed uh, this category with Audio Technica with a mic called the BP40. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know if it's in the shot right now, but we can probably I, show it a little bit. I think later. it's a little bit out, but I was gonna wander over there yeah. and do a little uh yeah. a little side by side since you are well, most of you, I'm assuming, are used to my voice. And uh, I use an SM7 quite often. Uh, it's not my normal mic, but I definitely have used it a lot. And I'm talking into one right now. I was I thought it might be kind of fun to set up the Audio Technica and go over there. And I'm gonna just wander out of the shot real quick, but the listeners will be able to hear this. So I'm gonna turn that on right now. I'm gonna pause this real quick. Okay, we're rolling again. And now I'm talking into the other microphone, which I'm not in the camera. Don't worry, I'm still here, everybody. But uh, I don't have my headphones on over here, so I can't hear exactly the difference. Oh, thank you, Crystal. And now I can. Ooh, it's crispier. That's very cool. Wow. Wow, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, so you might have, I think you might have muted my mic and not yours. Oh, did I? Really? Yeah. Well, you can yeah. slide over there. Here, That's fine. We'll rock, we'll rock and roll it. It's fine. All right. Uh, so, uh, we're just sharing mics here. No big deal. Uh, so <laughs> really professional. So the, the, the BP 40, you know, the, the approach here is it's a lot more mid forward, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's a lot more, especially high mid forward. So it's a lot more in your face when it comes to a, a vocal microphone. It is. Sometimes that's a really good thing, right? Especially if you need to cut. So in addition to being great as a, 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 a broadcast style microphone for something like a podcast, it's a really good mic to sing on. Mm -hmm. uh, especially for harder styles of music. Um, it's a, a, a mic that I've put in front of a kick drum or in front of uh, a, the, um, you know, a, a Leslie cabinet or a bass cabinet or something like that. It's kind of fits in this realm where we want a larger diaphragm dynamic microphone, uh, but we want a little bit more of that mid-aggression right. uh, for music production. So really, uh, really cool sounding microphone. Um, all we've done to that, by the way, there's there's no EQ or anything, right? There's just the the high pass, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we've rolled off some of the low frequency information to eliminate low frequency rumble and plosives and things like that. There's also some some uh, uh, pop control that's built into that diaphragm. You can okay. see there's a lot of a, a lot of space, so there's some baffling that happens between you and that uh, that actual diaphragm. Yeah, I'm noticing that. Like, I don't know what what frequency range exactly it would be, but specifically in some of the high mids. Mm -hmm. seem like accentuated a little bit mm -hmm. versus what I'm used to hearing right. in my voice. I hear my voice a lot. It's kind of annoying. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a this is a nice change. I like it. I'm I'm always looking for different flavor. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the whole name of the game, right? Matching up a mic to the source, finding the flavor that you like on that particular day with that particular sound source, and mm -hmm. you know, perfect perfect world. We all uh, we can try different stuff over time. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Uh, so the the BP forty has a uh, a younger brother um, or sister or sibling we'll call it um, <laughs> called uh, the twenty forty yeah um, the twenty forty sits in the twenty series um, the the twenty series from Audio Technica do you want to hop back over here and we'll talk about yeah, twenty series a little bit more yeah okay right. we're back in place we're back. Great. So the, the we didn't get your spine cracking though. No, we should have mic'd that up. We should have mic'd that up. I'm, I'm as, sorry. As he migrated, just right like <laughs> it was yeah. like, oh man. Talk that's... to me at the end of the podcast. I'm I'm very crunchy. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we were saying the the BP40 has a, a, a younger sibling. Mm -hmm. We'll call it um, called the 2040, the AT2040. Okay. Um, and the 
2040 is a lot less expensive, mm -hmm. but it's in the same vein as that microphone. Okay. It's a bit smaller. Um, I wish we had one to show you here today, but we realized as we were coming to this that we have one out on loan to a sales engineer right now who's using it for, for stuff at home. Uh, so we didn't have what? it here today. This is absurd. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is over. Right, right. <laughs> um, so the, the, the 2040 uh, is a lot less expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it is in the same vein. In fact, it's surprisingly close to, to the BP-40 in terms of overall sound. It's a little less bright, um, but a, a, a really awesome value at mm -hmm. 99 bucks. Oh. Um, the 20 series from Audio-Technica, if you're not familiar, uh, has, was kind of put on the roadmap by mics like the 2020, which I'm holding right here. Mm -hmm. This is a 2020. Uh, the 2035, the 2050. Um, some somebody watching this is going to go. Oh yeah, I have that one. Right. Yeah. Um, the twenty twenty USB has been a really popular uh, microphone for content creators, mm -hmm. especially. Um, and so another microphone that we talk about all the time when it comes to producing your own content uh, and just being a really well rounded, useful microphone for not very much money is the the AT twenty twenty. It's um, it's fairly simple in presentation. It's just a cardioid mic. Uh, condenser microphone, large diaphragm, um, and it, it's 99 bucks, but it is one of the flattest, most utilitarian, like put it in any sort of situation mics you can get for the money. That's cool. Um, and so it makes a great vocal mic for spoken word, great vocal mic for singing. You can put it in front of an acoustic guitar. Uh, you can do a lot of different sources um, with just this one large diaphragm mic. So for a lot of en uh, engineers, uh, myself included, this is one of their first studio mics that they ever own, right? Oh, Something okay. that's easily yeah. affordable. Um, but even as you graduate into more and more involved microphones, you know, the, the a 4040 or a 4050 or a 50 series, or even, you know, uh, some vintage, you know, U47 or something like that, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot, there's just a ton of mics uh, that over time you find more and more cool uses for, but I've never stopped using the 2020. It's always close by because there's always something I can put it on and get good to great. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so really useful uh, tool. And that's kind of what the, the calling card of the 20 series is. The, the 20 series category is, I can't believe how much functionality that I can get for so few bucks. Right. Um, and it really is a, a great starting point for a lot of engineers. Sweet, sweet. Well, that was fun. That was a fun overview, you know? Uh, I think myself, I was definitely educated on things. I'm sure some of the listeners slash viewers, hello viewers, I kind of forget about you sometimes, sorry. Uh, I, you know, that's just some good information, some good options out there that a lot of people, you know, weren't probably familiar with. So great. thank you for bringing those to the table and hanging out today. Um, yeah, it's been a, this has been a fun time. I, I do traditionally close out, uh, these episodes with some classic questions. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't prepare us for these. I know. So. I don't prepare anyone for them. So, uh, uh, so you, you said you're kind of a recovering guitar player. Crystal, do you play guitar or what, what's your thing? I don't play guitar, but I'm a vocalist and I play saxophone and flute. Okay. So you, you may or may not have an answer to this, this first question. If you do, great. If not, I'll ask you a different one. But uh, the first question is, what is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, my gosh. Favorite boss pedal? Mm-hmm. So this takes me back. I mean, everybody had a metal zone, right? Had. Have. <laughs> had. Has. See, that's, that, shows, that shows what I know. Yeah, I don't yeah. have. I don't anymore. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I remember right. when you know Nobody's you could perfect. get a you could get a, a a metal zone for what was it like seventy five bucks or something. I like mean, that, I think know? they're still. Are they still? I don't know if they're brand new that much. I think they're a lot more than that new. I could be wrong. It was still, but you can acquire one. It was still one pretty new, that. but like, but yeah. it, it hit where like I was, you know, saving up all my pennies, you know, to to try and afford the the, the next pedal back then. And um, there weren't nearly the selection of pedals right. or the quality of pedals in those days. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, the metal zone was. Everybody had one yeah. or a couple. You got to have a metal right. zone. You got to keep it on hand. I actually made a video a couple months ago where I took a a metal zone and I ran it into an HM2. And, okay. And, I, you know, it chugs. Yeah. You know, like, Throwback, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is great. Cool. I love this. It was kind of noisy, though. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty noisy. But, uh, so, Crystal, so, like, just... What's your what's your favorite instrument? When you're trying to unwind, you said you played a couple of different things. Like if you're just like, man, I had a rough day and I just want to like kind of un like for me, I do that with HM2s. Uh, but like, what do you just pick up and noodle around on as if you know, like like guitarists kind of do? Um, I mean, my primary instrument's probably my voice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, singing in the car, oh. recording demos at home. Um, I have a band, so we're constantly writing stuff together. What's your band? Let's talk about it. We're called Our Name Is Taken. Oh, what style of music? Uh, if I had to label it, probably alternative rock. Cool. Uh, we kind of da- dance around a couple different styles and genres. Well, there you go. Is it uh, available streaming anywhere? Streaming everywhere near you. All right, yeah. go listen to it. Shameless right. plug. There you go. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. All right, final question. This is the one that gets a little bit dicey. People get kind of worked up about this one. I mean, this this might be like your jobs, so this is like a Uh-oh. big deal. Okay. Are, are mic drops acceptable? You, it's kind of hard to do in this context. <laughs> Don't underestimate it. I mean, I mean, here's a mic I'll, you could drop if I'll, you want. I'll like, probably oh. drop the shore mic. Just. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite kind of pizza? Uh, everything. Everything. Like the the one with everything on it. Oh, all okay. the all the vegetables, like the all supreme. the meats. I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah not supreme's where it's at. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. You have a favorite pizzeria? You like thin crust, thick crust, regional styles? Like, what are we talking about? I mean, here? I don't discriminate when it comes to pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I I think I'm about pizza the way I'm about microphones, which is there's a time and a place for just <laughs> you only about everything. Audio Technica pizza. There is there is there is no, bad pizza, <laughs> but it's you know, bad pizza is uh, thankfully a lot less common than really good pizza that's that's true that's true i have i have uh, criticized this one particular pizza place that is actually out of business now uh in well, my neck of the woods and i i hate to see any small business go out of business but they were they made really bad pizza it was horrible uh so you know it's the weirdest pizza i've ever had oh what is it so uh if you go to domino's in taiwan <laughs> yeah all right okay, starting point mm-hmm uh, uh, no joke. Uh, I had a, a pizza once that had um, hot dogs rolled up in the crust. Uh, it had uh, peas, corn, squid, uh, and uh, and chicken wings on it. You know that was a <laughs> I wasn't weird pizza. The last That's one. <laughs> that is the weirdest pizza I've ever it heard was, of. I would like to say it was really good. It was just kind of strange. I think you lost me at the peas and corn. I'm down with the squid. I'm down with the hot dog. No peas and no corn. No peas and corn. Not a, first of all, I don't really like peas and corn to begin with. But second of all, like definitely not with cheese. I don't know. Nah. That's I gonna, don't know. 
I don't know if they still make that or if that was like a one-off thing. I feel but like they pulled a prank on you. We were, we were, <laughs> they were, they were the, like, oh, yeah, this is our pizza that we make. Uh-huh. Yeah, here, have this. Yeah, I don't Clearing know. Out the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Stupid Americans, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, again, I, I, they didn't do it especially for us. We actually uh, weren't planning to go to Domino's, but we saw that pizza on a banner, and we're, <laughs> we had to try it. Okay. Uh, and we did try it, and now I've tried that. Yeah, you've tried yeah. it. You've had an experience that... Not many Americans have had, so look at there you. you well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I learned some stuff, so that's cool. always good. Always right good. But, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, I'll see you out on the floor. How's that sound? Sounds great. Thanks for having yeah. us. All right, everybody. For Dan and Crystal, good luck and good tones. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, there you go. There you have it. There it is. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I really want to thank Dan and Crystal for coming on and spending the time with me, and apologies to them for the supremely delayed release of this episode, but hey, at least it came out in the 2022 calendar year, so it still counts, right? Sure, that's what I'm going to tell myself so I can sleep at night. Anyhow, if you like this podcast, if you like these episodes, if you get something out of these, if you could please consider going to Patreon, where for five bucks a month, you can get additional bonus episodes beamed right to your ears Every single week, there's a sneak peek episode there right now with somebody who plays guitar for some person named Paul McCartney. Just saying. I'm just saying. It's there right now, and the Patreon people get to listen to it. They're hearing it. They're probably hearing it right as you hear this. Wouldn't you like to get involved in that? Well, there's a whole bunch of bonus episodes on Patreon. Additionally, for three bucks a month, you can get the ad-free feed so you don't have to deal with the ads on this podcast, and you help me out quite a bit. Both of those options help me out a lot. And of course, if you sign up for the higher tier, the $5 a month level where you get the bonus episodes, you also get access to the ad-free feed as well. So thank you to everyone who does that. It is immensely helpful. And please, if you are doing any holiday shopping this season, please, please, please consider using the supportive affiliate links that are tied to this podcast, tonemob.com slash reverb or tonemob.com slash sweetwater. Both of those help out immensely. They really, really, truly do. And you get the gear you want and you help support this show a little bit. All right, folks, more fun stuff coming for you this week. I've got a ridiculous YouTube video that will release probably this Friday if everything goes well. And you're not going to want to miss that. So go sign up, sign up, no, subscribe subscribe to the Tone Mob YouTube channel. Check me out on all of the socials, all that good stuff. I appreciate you. Thank you for spending time with me. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help 
everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.